0: My suggestion in the Real Easy Weekdays is broccoli on the pizza. I've seen my kids eat incredible things on a pizza. They're getting a little bit of a flavor, they're getting a little bit of a texture, and most importantly, they're getting it in their mind. Well, I like broccoli on pizza, which can change to, now I see broccoli on my plate,
1: well, wasn't that bad in the pizza, maybe I could try it. hey you guys hello hello my beautiful listeners welcome or welcome back to the podcast to mom light helping you find more health more vitality more vibrancy in body mind and spirit despite the ever-present challenges of modern life busy life 2020 life I'm your host Kanchan Koya a molecular biology PhD turned health and wellness warrior, passionate about the power of food and lifestyle as medicine. And I am so excited to bring you this episode today. I know I say that before every episode, I'm always super excited, but truly I am so excited for this one. I recorded this episode a few months ago actually, I think right when the pandemic was beginning, but everything that we talk about is so relevant, kind of timeless really, thanks to my incredible guest, Jennifer Anderson of Kids Eat in Color. If you are a mom or if you know anyone who has kids, it's likely that you've seen the Kids Eden Color Instagram account. It has literally exploded. I think when we were having this conversation, maybe Jennifer was in like the hundreds of thousands of followers and she literally has over a million Instagram followers. She's incredibly humble and down to earth and just has such a unique, pragmatic and inclusive perspective. She's on a mission to help kids eat better without the stress. I mean, who cannot relate to that? Whether you have kids, whether you know someone who has kids, feeding kids can be stressful. Feeding them well can be so stressful. We can start to feel like failures as caregivers, parents, aunties, uncles. And Jennifer just has a really calming approach that's very reassuring, it's very evidence-based. And there's every reason why she has the over a million followers that kind of, you know, just are obsessed with everything she says and content that she creates on Instagram. So I'm just so excited to have her here. And for her to share her wisdom and also she's going to share today in the conversation her own struggles with her own health as a mom, which I know she doesn't talk about as much on her feed, but it's so relevant because it's all interlinked. It's all intertwined. And so often in our conversation as moms talking about feeding our families, we can forget about our own nourishment and our own health. So I think this conversation is really powerful and empowering and inspiring because Jennifer shares very openly about some of her own health struggles. And I know you're going to learn a lot from what she went through and things that she learned. Jennifer has a Master's of Science in Public Health in International Health and Human Nutrition from Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. And she also completed her dietetics coursework through the University of Northern Colorado. She's basically just a really fresh voice on social media when it comes to what it means to raise healthy children, what it means to be healthy as a family, and just bringing so much to the table, literally and figuratively, when it comes to nourishing the little ones in our lives in a joyful, stress-free, kind of relaxed way. I can go on and on, but I won't. I wanna take you to this conversation. So without further ado, I bring you Jennifer Anderson of Kids Eat In Color. Jennifer, welcome to Mom Light. Thank you so much, Kanjan. It's so wonderful to be here. Oh, it's such a pleasure. Um, I met you, I guess, a few months ago now when you were in New York for that mommy conference. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, you were such a larger than life presence in my head because all I knew was like your Instagram and all <laughs> the beautiful infographics and like your crazy growth. And then I was like, she's super normal. <laughs> yeah. I am just a normal person. (laughs) I know. I know. Oh my gosh. It's super exciting to have you on. I know you have so much to share. I want to pick your brain from every angle. How is your day going so far? Great.
0: My Better Bites program is opening today. And so
1: super welcoming, send out a welcome email to everybody. So it's kind of an exciting day. Yeah, and it's super exciting because you recently quit your day job to do what you do full time to pursue your passion project full time. Yeah. How is that going?
0: It's great. You know, I never imagined something like this would happen. I never even set out to do that. (laughs) But it's funny. Sometimes those little, quote, passion projects or whatever take on a life of their own and about. I don't know. I think it was probably about this time last year that I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to quit my job." I don't know how that's gonna work, but it just became clear that it was gonna it was something that was gonna need to happen because I couldn't I couldn't ever walk away from what had kind of gotten rolling the snowball. Of
1: yeah, it. I want to talk about that because I know a lot of moms might be in similar predicaments or you know, just feel like there's something else that needs their attention. It's so hard to do it all. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So congratulations (laughs) on taking the plunge and on better fights. I want to unpack all of that, but let's take it way back because I always like to start way back because I feel like there's lots of juiciness and amazing wisdom way back. How did you get into the work that you do now. So you're a registered dietitian, you have a mm-hmm. master's in public health mm-hmm. and you help parents, hundreds of thousands of parents make meal times at home less stressful. I have to say that sounds pretty awesome because a lot of parents I know are super stressed. So absolutely. how did you get into the work that you do now? Tell us a little bit, little bit about that journey. Sure. So we could go real far back if you want.
0: I graduated from college. I had studied cultural anthropology and I knew that I wanted to do like some sort of community, community development, nonprofit work. And I got a job at a food bank coordinating their youth nutrition programs. And it was just amazing to see the effect of nutrition on kids and families and communities and especially communities that are really struggling to have enough food. And we got fresh vegetables into after school programs and you know, kids were scared of broccoli because they'd never seen it before. They were scared of carrots. They'd never seen a baby carrot ever. And so it was just like a big, it was a big exposure thing. And I didn't know anything about nutrition at the time, but I um, i had just gotten married and my husband was like, you know, you should go back to school for your master's. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. That sounds like a lot of work. And next thing you know, I decided to go back and get a master's degree in nutrition. And so I... I applied to a lot of public health and nutrition programs. And in the end, I ended up pursuing a public health degree, specializing in nutrition. And then I also became a registered dietitian after that. But that was a long process. That was a six-year process to get the prerequisites and go back to school and do all the work and become a dietitian too, as well.
1: Wow. So it sounds like you really came at it from almost like a public health standpoint, right? Like Mm -hmm. watching these kids um, that are scared of broccoli. You know, something that I love about your message, your point of view, your content is that for so many of us, and I kind of consider myself having been fortunate to grow, have grown up in this bubble of like nutritious food was everywhere and it was just the norm. And you kind of, I think, really set the record straight that this isn't the norm for so many people mm-hmm. and how sometimes when we get caught up in the bubble and don't realize that there's this whole world out there where a lot of these things are less familiar, less accessible, we can almost create this like judgment around food choices and there was a recent post that I think just blew up the internet that you posted about school lunch, not being healthy. Right. So I just love that you, you know, bring this voice of like all perspectives to the table. Yeah. So how did you go from sort of that public health focus to then working with families and, you know, was it something with your own kids? I know you've shared a little bit about that. Yeah. What made you decide to then focus on working with parents to help their kids just eat more food, better food, and be less stressed about it? Right.
0: So I I started as a very stressed out mom is really where that started. I had my first son and he was not eating enough. And the pediatrician looked at me. He's about nine months old and said, "You know, I think you need even pediatrician. And I was like. What it was—it was like a big wake-up call. And you were um, a dietitian, so I was a dietitian. I was like, but I'm a dietitian. Turns out, you could be a dietitian and still not know how to feed your kids. And you also think somehow magically because you're a dietitian, your kids are maybe also going to not have—it's going to be easy to feed your kids or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> so I—I I had to really think about it. And now my pediatrician just jumped right to pediature before anything else. And I was uncomfortable with that being a dietitian, because I'm like, there, you know, there's a lot of dietary interventions we could explore prior to just jumping into pediature. It's a medical beverage and has medical uses, but to just say, oh, your kid isn't gaining weight, why don't you do pediature, that was kind of extreme to me. We actually ended up changing pediatricians as well. But I learned, you know, I have one kid who has struggled to eat enough to maintain his heightened growth. And I have another kid who is very selective. And, you know, I've just really lived the fact that feeding kids is really tricky. It can be really complicated. And the more I've learned, the more I've learned that it can be extremely hard for some families and easy for other families. You just never know what it's going to be in your situation. And I started, you know, because I had my son, I was making these cute little High calorie, tiny, tiny little lunches, these little bentos, and sending them to preschool when he was three. And I thought, you know, I'm putting all this effort into making these cute little lunches for him to get him interested and intrigued in eating his food. Why don't I just take a picture? I'll start an Instagram. I Can't be the only mom who's having a hard time with this. Maybe I can use what I've learned and all the tricks and techniques and all the professional stuff that's in my head. Maybe I could just show people how to do that. And that's how
1: Kids in Color started. And then it exploded.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, I had it for about a year and a half before it exploded. I was posting. It's not very long. It's true. It's true. It's not very long, but I did. I I had it. I was sharing, and what I found is like people were like, "Oh my gosh, you told me that," and then it worked in my house. And then you helped me. And then I told my friend about it. Like, kids in color isn't just like me being amazing. It's hundreds of thousands of moms and dads finding
1: something that worked for them and then sharing it with somebody else. Yeah, I mean, if you had to just step out of your own situation for a second, what would you? What do you think? Has led to the like monumental explosion of your account.
0: I often think, wonder, but I really, honestly, I do think it is moms wanting to help each other. And I say moms because ninety six point five percent of my followers are women. <laughs> and yeah. people is like, are you excluding dads? I'm like, no, I'm not excluding dads. I'm just like, it's mostly moms. So and and you know, there's aunts and uncles and and all grandmas and a wonderful, but you know, the primary group of people that find a sense of peace and hope that their situation can be better through Kids Second Color movement is moms. And you know what? Moms are really good at sharing. Like I'm sure, you know, here you are, you're a mom, you're doing mom light podcasts. I mean, moms are great at being like, hey, I have a problem. How am I gonna fix it? Am I first gonna go to a professional? No, I'm first gonna go to my mom friend <laughs> and be like, yeah. how do I get help? Or I'm gonna go to my mom, or I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to another mom if I have a mom problem. And and hopefully that mom has some help for me. And finally, moms are like, oh my gosh, I actually have a great source of help. And go follow this account and you're gonna get what you need.
1: Yeah, I think you're, I mean, obviously, yes, I agree. Moms are amazing about sharing and helping other moms and really helping the community kind of expand. But I think there is something unique about your particular point of view or the way you position some of this information that is that is different there's lots of accounts out there lots of dietitians sharing tips on kids health and they're all amazing and you know there's great content everywhere but i think there is something really unique about the way you position the what and how to do it that feels very i don't even know like very approachable very non judgmental, very like I can do this. It's about small steps, it's not yeah. about trying to be perfect on day one, it's not right. about like the raw kale chomping toddler, yeah. birthday, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, true. congratulations, yeah. whatever well, you're doing you. resonating. Yeah, I, you know,
0: I think we're tired of being told we're doing things wrong. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm tired of it. Like, okay, great. Add it to my list of things that I didn't do. You know, from the time we're pregnant to the time we have the baby to the time we're feeding our toddlers, there's like a list 75 miles long. like, to be a good mom, you have to like, I don't know, you have to have three of yourself, right? And I remember like calculating the number of pregnancy recommendations, like things that my midwife group wanted me to do. And I was like, well, I do work and I don't work for fun. I actually have a job <laughs> so that we can buy food and pay the rent. Right. And um and I was like adding it up. And I was like, there are like eight hours per day of pregnancy recommendations that I'm supposed to somehow magically fit in my day just to like be, I don't know, do pregnancy, right? And so there's this disconnect often between public health messages of like, there's good information about what is the best practice, but we don't always think about what people are going through on a day to day basis, and I just if I just load you up and be like, of course you could teach your toddler to like kale. People are like, but you don't know my toddler, and you don't know me, and like that is literally the least of my concerns at the moment, right? Right. And so, kind of taking a step back and being like, well, what can I do today? Is yeah. there something I can do? And if if so,
1: hey, huh, let's try it out. If not, don't worry about it. We could try again tomorrow. I think that's it. That's it. You hit the nail on the head. That's why your. Yeah. That's what makes it so welcoming to everyone at any stage in right. their journey of like healthful eating. You know. Right. Right. So that's amazing. You're doing a huge service. So you have some amazing programs out for parents, mostly focused on kids and kids' meal times. You have the Better Bites program, which is launching today. Right. Congrats! Mm-hmm. Well, you've yeah, had. It. You thank had it. you. This is like cycle two now. Um, cycle four. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So tell the listeners a little bit about that and maybe like, you know, a couple of key kind of things that parents take away from it so they can get excited about the next cycle.
0: Yeah, so I think the number one thing about Better Bites is it reduces parents' stress. I mean, every parent who finished that, finishes the program reports that they have less stress at mealtime. And it's because, like, sometimes we go into mealtimes and we just don't understand. First of all, we don't know what's going on. Like, I I don't know if you've ever had the situation, maybe not at mealtime, but some situation where you're like looking at your kid, you're looking at what's going on, and you're thinking to yourself, I have no idea what's happening here. And what is often happening at mealtime is there's a lot of things going on. There could be a mix-up between what the parent needs to be doing, what the kid needs to be doing. So instead of the parent being like, you know what, I'm in charge of mealtime. We're going to have a meal schedule or routine. We're going to have, these are the foods that I'm going to serve. And I'm going to you know make sure you have everything that you need, but I'm also not going to go make you a second meal. And then we're going to eat at a table. And and so we we kind of go over like this structure of like what it looks like to be able to have less me- less stress at mealtime. But then we also balance that with like, well, what do you need to be doing for your kid? Like kids shouldn't be forced to eat. They shouldn't be forced to take a certain amount of bites because that makes it so they can't really listen to their body. And so we talk about this balance of like, what should parents be doing? What kid- should kids be doing? And there's a lot of there is a growing awareness of kind of the importance of having a mealtime structure and also allowing kids to be able to call the shots with what goes in their body. But it's often not enough because a lot of families are like, okay, that's great. And I read a couple of books about that. But I have a real problem. Like, my kid won't try a new food, there is something going on. And their pediatrician will say something like, um, and this is not every pediatrician, but many pediatricians will say things like, ah, eh, they'll grow out of it. Well, some kids grow out of it. Some kids don't. I think maybe we've all met an adult who only eats the equivalent of chicken fingers who calls himself picky. And we, you know, so they, they're they talking to their friends and they're like, ah, eh, they'll figure it out at their own pace. And there's a lot of but these, but the parent is like, no, something is wrong here. My kid is not, trying a new food at all. And usually they're right. Something is wrong. The kid has maybe a sensory sensitivity to the food. They have ha- they have an aversion. They have a strong sense of disgust. And so we spend a good, good portion of the program, like probably like a, a third of it on how to teach your child to learn to eat new foods because it doesn't come easy for all kids. And so you know, food play is one of the big ones. And I just, I'll just leave it at this, but like, we do food play throughout the entire program and really helping your kid get into their meal, play with that broccoli, play with those green beans. It can just make such a difference in kids being able to actually learn to eat them.
1: That's an awesome tip. And I think one that goes against. Somehow the conditioning that we've all internalized, that it's like bad to play with food, you sit down and you eat your food, you play with food. And I have noticed that with my toddler, Noor, who's going through a bit of a picky phase. Yeah, if I just let her cook with me, feel the food, watch me make it, you know, she's so much more inclined to even look at it. Otherwise it's like, take it away. Yeah, Put it on another plate. Um, I love that you have that balance of like the structure, like that whole division of responsibility Mm -hmm. idea, right, which is Mm -hmm. like floating around the interwebs. But like you said, can be frustrating for parents who really feel like that's not enough, like they're not going to make the progress they need as a family that is aiming for, you know, a balanced, nutritious meal at some point, just following that. So I love that your program combines that with actual tips on how to get kids to eat new foods who might really have an aversion.
0: Yeah, right. And a lot of those kids with some, you know, perhaps, you know, if they had the right practitioner may refer them to like an occupational therapist or speech language pathologist or like, you know, feeding therapy as it's called is I get a lot of people are like, we did feeding therapy, we didn't see a change. And I think what sometimes gets left out in the feeding therapy is what's going on at home. And so they're learning these techniques, the techniques that we cover in the program, the food chaining, bridging, things like that. But they if they learn that in feeding therapy, but then at home, they have no structure, or no balance, or they're pressuring their kid, then they can't really see a lot of progress in feeding therapy. And I think that's why it's so important to combine both the division of responsibility with a no pressure feeding approach, but also like bring in these therapeutic techniques and teach people how to get their kid comfortable enough that they're willing to try new food.
1: Yeah, totally. Amazing. Well, I can't recommend the program enough uh, based on what I've seen of it and just based on your general kind of approach. So everyone check out Better Bites for the next launch. And then you have another program, which is kind of always an option. Um, Tell us about that. That's like a meal plan.
0: Yeah, I do have a really easy meal plan for families who are Stressed during the week. It's a it isn't. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so it's called real easy weekdays, and that's exactly what it is. It teaches you how to make a core, a number of meals and rotate them often enough that your child is actually exposed frequently to similar foods, so that slowly over time they can start to begin to expand the number of foods they will eat. But it also like teaches you how to take like pizza night, which a lot of families have pizza night now and then. And how do you turn that into a colorful meal so that it's not just pizza? So it's definitely like, it's got a few convenience foods in there. It's got some homemade recipes for muffins that you can stick in the freezer, bake quickly on the weekend. And Are those the, the muffins
1: with lentils in them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I love it. I have to try those. <laughs> They are lentils and muffins, but combining them is genius. I feel like you would be into the lentils and muffins thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Add some spices. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, it's so, gosh, I just feel like going back to what you said earlier about this, like we're always being told what to do and what, how we're not doing enough. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that seems to be the overwhelming message when you go on social media, even from the most well-intentioned, educators, teachers, content creators, you know, everyone's just trying to aspire to be better. But like after a while, it can just feel so, oh my gosh, overwhelming. Yeah. You just throw your hands up and you're like, you know what? I, I, I just, I give up. Yeah. <laughs> pizza night it is. And that's why I love that you took something like pizza night, which we have every Friday pizza and movie night. And like, how can you make it a little bit more vibrant, you know, yeah interesting, allow for it to be an opportunity for exposure to, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I fun. will
0: tell you, you know, you, if, you, if you take a pizza and you put some veggies on it and then you cover it with cheese, <laughs> I mean, you know, it really makes the ve- takes the sting out of a vegetable. I have to tell you
1: a story. My, my kids do pizza night every Friday and my son does pizza at school. He loves school lunch, even though you know, his school lunch and we, and I know this was your post and that's why I really paid attention to your post. His school lunch is okay. But like as a mom who is like trying to get my kids to eat, I don't know, like whatever green, you know, green leafy vegetables. I'm like, He's obviously not going for the elements in the school lunch that I feel like he should be going for. Like he's like, yeah, I don't like the carrots and I need the apple and I just <laughs> ate, I ate the pizza with the side of bread. I'm like, that sounds really amazing and well done. <laughs> well done. But anyway, so we have pizza night and it happens to be the same day that they have pizza at school, which is Friday. Uh-huh. So, it's literally a whole day of pizza. This is Chief <laughs> Spice Mama in real life. My kids. Oh my this is gosh. For my son. I love so it. So, I went to Trader Joe's and they have these pizzas, frozen pizzas, and they actually have a broccoli pesto pizza. Mm-hmm. I was like, what if I just buy this broccoli pizza and just try to make the pizza night a little bit more than just pizza? And the first time I brought it, he was like, so appalled that I would even <laughs> need to buy this broccoli. Oh my gosh. Who puts broccoli on pizza? That's disgusting. He's seven. Right. I'm not kidding. Now he will only eat the broccoli pizza.
0: Oh my gosh. Because there's
1: enough cheese on there. There's pesto. It's actually really good. Yeah. And so when we get the plain pizza, he's like, I only want the broccoli pizza. This is like case in point yep. that Kids are just, I don't know, they will surprise you.
0: <laughs> they absolutely will. And you know what? Like, I think my suggestion in the Real Easy Weekdays is like asparagus on the pizza, because sometimes asparagus is on sale at the store or whatever. Maybe that's a vegetable that you like and you want your kid to enjoy it with you or whatever it is. And But seriously, you can use absolutely any vegetable. And, you know, I've seen my kids eat incredible things on a pizza. But here's the thing. And you're like, well, they're not getting the flavor of it. They are. They are getting a little bit of a flavor. They're getting a little bit of a texture. And most importantly, they're getting in their mind that they just ate some broccoli. Right. Which changes the way that they think, right? So now they're like, oh, well, I like broccoli on pizza, which then can change to I like broccoli in lasagna or I like broccoli in... Whatever. Or now, you know, I only eat the broccoli pesto pizza because that's the one that I like to now I see broccoli on my plate. Well, it wasn't that bad in the pizza. Maybe I could try it, right?
1: Yeah, it really is a learning experience and yeah. a journey. It's like if we think of our own food preferences as grown-ups, I don't know that we all liked the vegetables in a plain form that we like now. We probably mm-hmm. had a very positive association with them in some other context, in some sort of celebratory food or something we already liked, right? And then yeah transition to, yeah, yeah. I'll just eat a bunch of raw broccoli, you know, because it's good for me. I love that. Well, I feel like, so I feel like you talk about your amazing tips for parents on with kids food a lot, and people should check out Kids Eat in Color on Instagram if they haven't already, and both your programs, Real Easy Weeknights, Better Bites. But I want to shift gears to you sure and your health as a mom cuz most of my listeners are moms actually i think all of them are some non-moms some aspiring moms and you know something we talk a lot about on the show is how moms can maintain their health, their sanity, their vibrancy Mm -hmm. as possible, (laughs) given all the challenges and demands, and especially in your case of like mom entrepreneurship and your kids. And so let's talk about your own health journey. And something that you shared with me is about a health struggle that you faced. And I would love for you to talk about that because I feel like it was, it it really surprised me, you know, just from a, I don't want to give away the story, but I think it would be really helpful because I know... A lot of people struggle with you know mental health and so tell us a little bit about your story with that.
0: Yeah, so when I was 24 I became depressed and it was new for me. I had never experienced depression in my life, anything remotely close to it. And you know from that point on I yeah, was I 24 anyway? I think I was maybe I was 20 22? I don't Somewhere know. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> we'll get stuck on this weird detail. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I and so for the next more than 10 years, really, I struggled with depression and I I tried a lot of things. I tried a lot of things. I wasn't one to like give up on myself despite the fact that I was depressed.
1: I ignored it that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say how did it manifest given I mean given you never had it before like how did you even realize you were depressed?
0: I had done a 6-month internship in India and I had just come back and I was at a conference. I was this is going into my last semester, my senior year of college. And I was at this conference and I woke up one morning and for the first time in my life I felt like I couldn't do it. And I thought, "I don't want to go to any sessions, and I had never had that experience before of I just don't feel like I can do like it was like my life force had gone out of me, right? I was like, "Uh, ugh. wow. And I called my mom, and I was like, "I can't go to the conference and she like gave me a pep talk, and she's like, "You know well, you've been traveling a lot, you've been doing a lot, and you know, blah blah." and so I talked to someone when I went back to school, I talked with some of my professors and they they recommended medication or at least being evaluated for medication. And I was really uncomfortable with the idea. Like in in my community growing up, like it was very frowned upon to take mental health medication or even like get an assessment, really. That could potentially lead to pharmaceuticals. So I was uncomfortable with the idea. I just kind of, I ignored it. I tried to, you know, I just tried to manage as well as like any college student who has no idea what's going on. (laughs) It's like, you know, I heard that running was good. And so I was jogging and trying to get sleep. And of course, like, you know, I really struggled. And then it kind of, well, then I met my husband and I fell in love like really hard. And let me tell you, Falling in love can really pull you out of a depression.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow.
0: I was like head over heels, like, lost my mind in love with this guy. And that kind of gave me a respite from it for quite some time. And I hope you know,
1: you're listening to this episode, yeah,
0: oh, <laughs> yeah, so that was nice. Like, I did that, we adjusted to be married, and um, you know, I mean, that like in love feeling lasts for you know, I forget what it is, but it's about two years, right? And that slowly ebbed off, and next thing I knew, I was depressed again and you know again i tried to ignore it we moved to baltimore for me to go to graduate school and i was hit really hard like laying on the floor i couldn't i couldn't go to class i was skipping class i mean i was like i got into johns, johns hopkins we moved across the country and now i can't even i'm laying in my closet because i can't get up and i can't go to class and it was like a really it was a really horrible experience and Kind of like with the last string of anything that I had. I mean, I seriously couldn't have cared if I lived or died. It did not. What well, was not did not have an opinion on it. And I kind of drug myself to this student assistance program guy. I was like, "Hey, I'm depressed," and he recommended that I see a therapist. And I, I went and saw this lady who was a nutcase. And then I tried somebody else, and she wasn't good. And then, and then somehow I got hooked up with a psychiatrist who prescribed some medication for me. And you know what? That medication, it could have saved my life. I don't know. But it got me through school. It pet me back up. It gave me the, the ability to look for a therapist that I could actually work with. And so I started therapy and I also... Cognitive behavioral therapy. And I also took medication
1: was it just a standard like serotonin reuptake it was it
0: was Wellbutrin, and i don't remember why they prescribed that but i responded immediately i didn't respond fully though mm-hmm. so you know many people are partial responders to different different things whether it's cognitive behavioral therapy or exercise or whatever but i responded quickly and it took us a while to find the right dose cuz if you take too much of that you get like extremely fidgety <laughs> <laughs> but wow, yeah. yeah, but we found the right dose, and it turned me into functional again. And I was able to finish school, and I was able to learn, and I was able to find a therapist and all of that stuff. And then I like you know jumped into cognitive behavioral therapy. I met weekly with a the therapist for so long, and that also helped, but it also didn't fix the problem entirely. And so I just kind of kept doing what I could when I could do it. I finished. I became a registered dietitian. I, you know, I think it was two years that I walked because my my therapist was like, you know, you know, there's some really good research showing 35 minute walk every single day helps as good as say a medication. I didn't stop taking my medication though, um, but I tried the walking. I walked. I exercised for 35 minutes every day for two years. I didn't miss a single day. <laughs> it's like, without fail, and still, it was still there. Mm-hmm. I tried medi- meditating twice a day for several months
1: before. You really, t- you really threw the kitchen sink at it. Yeah, I mean, evidence-based stuff,
0: right? Because I, I think, I think a lot of times, like I'll say, "Oh, I was depressed for a long time." People are like, "Oh, well, if you had only tried this, well, if you had only tried that." And, you know, there's some truth to that because I had to find what worked for me and I was trying everything, but I hadn't found the right thing for me. I tried,
1: you know, there's some research showing curcumin extract. I literally just taught the class today on mood boosting foods and recipes and depression and 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 curcumin and turmeric and everything. But you're right because I have worked with, as a health coach, clients who who do suffer from debilitating clinical depression and Mm -hmm sometimes nothing works or it works a little bit. Ready. It works a little so, bit, but like it, it doesn't tell the problem. still there, yeah. Right,
0: yeah. because you know what? If you don't have depression that's caused by inflammation, Curcumin is not going to do anything. To yeah, help,
1: to help oh your depression, you know, you just open up an amazingly interesting can of worms. I'll just say that I just listened to the most incredible podcast with Dr. Rhonda Patrick of Found My Fitness. I'm a huge fan of hers. With this depression expert, and he talks about how we tend to sort of just oversimplify everything in general in today's world. But you know. Depression is linked to too much inflammation, so all anti-inflammatory foods will help depression, basically. But the reality is there's actually multiple cohorts within depressed people, and mm-hmm. some depression patients suffer from Yes, chronic elevated inflammation. And like you said, in those cases, you know, something like turmeric or curcumin or other anti inflammatory foods would help. And in some cases, it's actually not enough inflammation in the right place at the right time. So some of these inflammatory markers are what they call myokines in the brain. So it's not as simple as just like hammering out all inflammation and mm-hmm. saying that's the solution. You know, everyone has could have a unique kind of form of depression with a unique yeah. kind of molecular underpinning. So
0: I mean you look at somebody who is who goes to cognitive behavioral therapy and just responds incredibly well and it actually solves their depression. Like thoughts can solve your depression. Also walking can solve your depression. Sleep can solve your depression if sleep was the cause of your depression or, right, you know, or if thoughts that's, were the cause or right. whatever. And you know, not to say these things don't work together because obviously they work together. You know, finally I I, yeah, so um, finally,
1: what happened? Well,
0: pregnancy and breastfeeding for me actually boosted my mood, and they helped, and so I felt better. But you know, it still wasn't enough. And when I weaned my, so I pretty much like I was pregnant, nursing, then got pregnant, then nursing. So I it was like constant, right? And when I weaned little M, I got very depressed, mm-hmm. and and I was like like having a really hard time keeping it together, especially with two little kids. And, you know, by then Instagram had started. And so now I had a job plus another job. And I was like, hi, I went back to my therapist. I, you know, started, I tried anti-inflammatories, but I actually know people who just responded so night and day amazingly to curcumin in their depression that I knew what it looked like if somebody like actually was benefiting. And I could tell like, nah, it's not actually solving my depression. And I just felt like something was missing. I was like, you know what? I've done all these things. I've been a partial responder to everything. It, like, I just, couldn't accept that this is how it had to be. Like, I just felt like there was something else going on. So I I was like, you know what? I think now is the time for me to look at kind of more of like a physical biochemical aspect. And I reached out to a dietitian that is well-known in the community for functional medicine. And I... I sent her, I don't know, it must have been the most pitiful email because she, she, um, I, I don't think she was even taking new patients and she took me on and she, we did some blood work and she said, you know what? I think your B12 is low. Well, first she started me on like a high vegetable diet. So like, you know, seven to nine servings of vegetables a day. And that's great. And I felt, I felt that, right? Like when you start eating that many plant foods, like you feel that in a good way. But it didn't solve the problem, and then you know, because blood work takes a long time to like work through everything, and so she's like, "I think I think you'll feel better if you resolve
1: this B twelve issue." And so, I was so like, no one okay. had checked your B twelve up until that point, really.
0: Well, here's the thing: no, not really. And I had complained about being tired and exhausted, and having numbness and tingling in my arms for years to so my doctors. They were like, eh, you just use the keyboard too much." Wow, um, and you weren't—you were not vegetarian. No, although I eat like a like Planned a meat yeah. diet, right? So I was like, nobody had checked. I had been checked for like anemia, but that didn't really—you know—I my iron levels were fine, and so so. They did. And you know, the thing about B twelve is it's often not like if you just do a straight B twelve study, it will often show that it's fine. But you need to actually check the homocysteine levels and the methylmalonic acid levels to mm-hmm. see if kind of downstream, like, are they really getting what they need from this? And no, I was clearly not from her analysis. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know, I think you're gonna feel a lot better. So she she put me on a higher dose of B twelve, and you know what? I had like a miraculous life change. Like I was like, oh my gosh, I could, it was at that point that I thought I could start my own business because leading up to that, like I had started to grow. I had just grown from like 10,000 followers to 20,000 followers. And I thought, oh my gosh, something is happening here. But I had so little energy that I was like, I could never work for myself. I never want to work for myself. It's way too much work. And the minute that B12 level got to like a normal level, I was like, oh my gosh, I could do it. I could do it. I could work for myself. I had passion again. I had energy again. I mean, like, it will forever be the moment in my life where I was like, that was like a real turning point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just can't underestimate. And you know what? All the depressive thoughts disappeared, they literally were gone. They had been plaguing me for years, right? And I went to my therapist and I was like, yeah, I'm like describing it. And he was kind of skeptical because depression from a B12 deficiency is not the most common you know, mm. um, thing. But you know, the numbness and tingling all of a sudden were gone from my arms. My brain was back. My energy was back. My, you know, like all this stuff. And I got kicked out of therapy. He was like, I don't think you need to see me anymore. Right.
1: So really it was this one micronutrient in your it case. Was, it was. I mean I think in the functional realm at least as a health coach like we if if I'm working with someone who has depression I will ask them to have the tests done for B12 mm-hmm. and vitamin D yeah. and even omega 3 serum levels and whatnot right. but um it is amazing that that was like the switch that needed to be flipped in your case. Right. you continue with the other practices or not really?
0: Well, you know, the daily walking, that went by the wayside when I have kids. Well, right. um, <laughs> oh, you bike, your kids have yeah. seen that, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I get an activity where I can, but uh, and obviously I try to continue with the vegetables and all these things because they do enhance well-being and health and right. all those things. But for me, like the depression was actually related to this one problem. And then my doctor, I had just switched doctors at the time to someone who was a little more uh, willing to listen. And he was like, you know, why is your B12 low? And he, he was the one who said, you know, let's run a couple of tests and realized I had a mild autoimmune condition in which my body kills off the parietal cells in my stomach, which are the ones that help you absorb
1: my B12. So
0: I have to take it sublingually.
1: Interesting. Wow. Really like over a decade worth of detective work to find the underlying cause and get to the root cause. Well, it's a wild and inspiring story. I mean, inspiring because you didn't give up because I think a lot of times people will say, it's just the way I'm wired now and I have to live with this low level depression and I can kind of contain it, but it's always going to be there. And I think the inspiration is you can keep digging. I mean, it's not easy. But yeah. there is always some, maybe not always, but very often a root cause that will unveil itself with enough digging, maybe. Right.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think, I think part of it is like, I just kind of chipped away at it, right?
1: Because I was depressed, right? So it's not I like I could take on. You a, weren't yeah. satisfied with that being like the way you would feel for the rest of your life. Right.
0: And so like, as an opportunity would come to me or an idea would come to me, I would explore it. Like, okay, yeah. I have enough energy to try this new supplement. Is that working? Not really. Okay, I'll stop because supplements are expensive. Let's move on to something else. Am I able to walk every day? No, I'm not. Okay, then I'm going to have to find something else. Is there a way that I can do this? Is there a way I can do that? So I think, you know, realizing that, yeah, sometimes. You're just depressed and it's horrible. But also looking for those opportunities when both your energy and the opportunity presents itself that you can be like, okay, how about I try this now and see if this helps?
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I know for some depressed people, and I don't want to make this whole show about depression because that could be a whole show, but I know it can be just hard to do anything. So you might know that curcumin is good for you, but it's like you don't even have the bandwidth to like take a curcumin supplement. Yeah, like all absolutely. you can do is just like sit there, you know, mm-hmm. like you said. So maybe finding the one thing that's at least going to get you slightly functioning, yes. whether it's traditional medication or therapy, and then yeah. applying some of these alternative measures or yeah something final point I'll say is sauna. I just heard about like the power of regular sauna use for depression, okay, and apparently can like really, really help any kind of heat stress. but you know, there are so many things like you said, and everything can there's like a unique bio individual element, yeah so that's an amazing story, and I really appreciate you sharing it because I think. Depression is common, it's super stigmatized, like you said in many communities, still people don't want to go through a diagnosis or an assessment and definitely don't want to take medication mm-hmm. and like with moms postpartum depression, you know so it's a real thing, and there are solutions, and it might take a while to find the one that's right for you, yeah,
0: and I think I remembering that there are a lot of other people going through it, it can sometimes be helpful. I remember I people heard. telling me this isn't going to last forever. And I don't know if there's anything less helpful that I heard. <laughs> mm-hmm. It meant absolutely nothing to me. So I never, ever say like, that it to feels anyone. Like it is because
1: that's how, I mean, yeah. 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 Yeah, But knowing other people are going through it, definitely you're not alone and it's not because you're mentally weak or not positive enough or not optimistic enough or there really can be a biochemical and very often is a biochemical reason. Right imbalance, right. whatever. Yeah, you know? and yeah. we we're so okay with like going to the endocrinologist and taking like a thyroid hormone substitute because right. our thyroid is out of whack, but we're so opposed to taking anything that is going to help our brain or mind feel better. You know, it's, which
0: is crazy, right? Yeah,
1: yeah it's, it's, so it's just kind of weird, on.
0: right? Like why why do we have that? There's still kind of these ideas that it's not real; it's just in your it's mind, too, right? But it's not. It's like the chemical the chemicals in your brain were very chemical, right? Our beans. And while things like thoughts can help, and maybe those are, you know, maybe you do have like some long-seated grief or trauma that hasn't been dealt with and that is literally making you depressed and dealing with that can help you. Right. Sometimes you also need that medication to... And, and I'm not... I'm the first to say like not everybody responds well to medication. Not everybody... Gets any lift from medication. So, you know, that's there's no silver bullets there either, but often using all options that are available to you can help you move forward and find the thing that is really the best for you, if that makes sense. Yeah,
1: yeah, totally. Thank you for sharing that, Jennifer. Really, really powerful. So, speaking of veggies and trying to eat lots of veggies, um, you came up with this really cool. Veggie concept. Two, three, (laughs) four veggies. Is that right? Two, three, four veggies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Is that something you do now yourself? Yeah. Well, I try to. And, you know, I am never
0: the one to hit my own marks perfectly, but. Yeah. So the goal is, and this actually came from my dietician that I work with. She was like, you know, I want you to eat a, drink a smoothie in the morning with a bunch of veggies in it and then also eat one serving with breakfast, two with lunch and three with dinner, which is a lot of veggies. And I was like, okay. So I started with that Then winter hit and I was like, I'm too cold to drink a smoothie. And so I was like, well, how about I just like... Spread it out through the day, so two with breakfast, three with lunch, and uh, four with dinner. Now, this is a lot, and sometimes you know, like it's just like a lot of volume. Floor, you mean servings?
1: I mean or like servings. Varieties. You know, variety would be ideal, but I think that's, that's a, a little much to ask. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's amazing, but yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> oh, this. yeah, that's too
0: much. I mean, you know, if we all had personal chefs, it would be awesome. But yeah, yeah. So just you know, a half a so. Two, three, four is like a cup of vegetables with breakfast, a cup and a half lunch and two Mm -hmm. with dinner, which is still a lot. And I think for some people, you know, it's just too much. It's a really large amount of volume. So that may or may not work for you. I mean,
1: you can work up to it,
0: right? Yeah. You can also work up to it too and see what works. And that, you know, leafy greens are actually a cup is a serving. So leafy greens would be like two cups of leafy greens at at breakfast. Mm -hmm but you know like sticking two right. cups of two cups of spinach in a smoothie like turns out to like not be that much you know mhm yeah so i think you know just the daily focus on like okay did i have veggies with every meal is really and you know what there is you know a lot about the fiber in our gut and how it feeds the bacteria that produce those fatty acids that give us a little boost to our mood. And so that's kind of the purpose behind that is to increase fiber intake, especially fiber that's going to be prebiotic fiber that's going to be eaten by those gut bacteria.
1: I mean, I don't know that there's anyone that wouldn't benefit from eating more vegetables. <laughs> Even if you already eat a lot, like like you said, it can feel a little daunting, but if you work up to it, I also find, and maybe you found this, it can really affect the amount of vegetables your kids eat. Because if they see you mm-hmm. eating random bits and bobs of like broccoli at breakfast, or I don't know, someone posted on Instagram, the best way to get your kid to eat something is to tell them it's not for them and it's for you. Yeah. Oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> that's so true
1: this is my smoothie. Oh, I want it. Even if it has like kale and moringa and radishes. Like, what? That's right. <laughs> Yeah. So I think that's a great tip. Just try to eat more vegetables. It is really just such a great, like seems to be a great solution for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So, so you do that. And then what else do you do to take care of yourself now that you're a working from home, mom, entrepreneur, two kids, with this Instagram kind of responsibility and your programs. What are some of the yeah. self-care practices that you feel like are just, I don't know, really critical for you?
0: Yeah. So I think I think for me, and you know, I'll be the first to admit, like I'm still in the transition phase, right? So a lot of days I'm feel like I'm running around with my head, you know, like a chicken with my head cut off. You know, I think for me is really establishing the boundaries. So leading up to quitting my job i was working full time two jobs i mean the amount of things in my brain at any given day was just like overwhelming so my days and nights were mixed up i like would be groggy all day and then panicked at night trying to get stuff done and then you know when i actually quit my job i was like holy crap i can't <laughs> like i am all messed up from this so and of course when mommy's all messed up the kids are stressed and you know all that stuff So, it's definitely my first order of business was to work less, to really kind of have some focused times on my calendar where I'm like, okay, this is my deep work and I'm not going to schedule anything else. It's going to be like, this is my job time. And also to not let myself work at night, which I broke a little bit this week and I'm feeling pretty crappy about it, uh, just physically crappy. But to really say, look, I can't work at night, that was like a key for me to getting my days and nights back on the right. Schedule. And so I'm primarily working during the day. And, you know, when you're not allowed to work at night, then you're like, oh, I have to actually get my stuff done now. And so that was what enabled me to really do that. But I think going to bed at a reasonable time is just probably the most effective strategy at solving a lot of problems physically it's hard it's really hard especially when i'm like oh man i have to like i had a big deadline this week and there was some stuff that i needed to to roll out and so i did have to stay up late a couple nights but i think really trying to go back to those basics of like am i sleeping as best as i can with two kids who still you know wake up with nightmares or whatever and am I eating? Am I making myself eat lunch? You know, like taking a lunch break. I mean, not that it's like a break break, but like at least reminding myself to eat lunch on a regular basis is is important. Because now I'm like much more infested and excited about what I do every day. And next thing I know, it's one o'clock, and I haven't had any food since so breakfast, and my hands are shaking because I have low blood sugar. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I know it's so true. You know, so many moms that I talk to work with find the going to bed early like so impossibly hard, and they Mm -hmm. they're convinced that everything on their to do list is so important, and they can get it done if they stay up an extra hour. And you have like a genuinely packed to do list. So, Mm -hmm. did you have to just kind of embrace a mindset shift about I don't know, like this not being a race, like. If it's not done today, it'll get done tomorrow. It's not, you know, like how do you? What would be your top tip for moms? Yeah. Who like, there's always so much to do. When the kids are in bed is when I can do it. Right, I know it's so painful. I live that pain every day.
0: <laughs> now my kids are in school. One of them's in school. One of them's in preschool, and it's full day. So, you know, but I don't have a full eight hours during the day to work and. I don't know. I think it's really hard. I think it's hard to let things go to say I'm not going to answer that email. You know, yeah. I'm the person who like answers every email and every every DM and I've had to let that go. Like I can't answer all my DMs anymore. Like the pain of that has been a lot to work through cuz like, you know, I might get as many as 2000 DMs in a day and I hate the idea that I would not somebody took the time to send me a message and the idea that I would have to leave that, leave a a DM or leave a comment or leave a leave an email or whatever. I it's like, oh man, because I I value those, I value every single message and every person behind that message so much. And it's the same with like working where like I have some emails in my inbox that I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to answer them in the next several weeks because I have other commitments and, you know, everything is kind of so important. I, I did, I will say I, I like instinctually have a gift of focus. So Mm -hmm. I can look at one thing and do one thing and just block everything else out. Mm -hmm. Like, if my kids are screaming and yelling in the background, I can actually tune it out,
1: which okay, could be good, I need to could be good or bad. Power and sell
0: it. <laughs> you know, I think I should really thank my mother for that because I have four siblings who are younger than me, and our house was extraordinarily loud. And I think I just, I think it was a survival mechanism, but, and obviously I can't do it all the time and certainly never with a baby. Oh my gosh, could never tune out a baby crying ever. I read The One Thing and I can't even think of the author's name. I, it's it's I called The my One Mind. Thing. It's called The One Thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, that was the book that I needed to help me get my days and nights back on track to okay, great tip. help me move, move forward. Amounts. Because, you know, for me, Kids eating in Color is not just like Instagram. It's not just Facebook or Pinterest or wherever I am, you know. It's a movement of people and I have a really big vision for what it's becoming and how it's not just going to be a social media thing, how it's actually going to get out of social media and into people's real lives. And, you know, the first first pieces of that are like Real Easy Weekdays and the Better Bites program, but there's more coming and I have this vision for what... People can do when they have just a little bit of information at the right time and then they can act on it and it can solve their problem. And, you know, them being on social media all the time isn't necessarily that answer, Mm -hmm. right? It needs to be something else. So I have all these plans and these visions for like how to help people in an even deeper and better way. But if I'm only doing social media all the time, like it's never going to happen. Yeah, that's not
1: the deep work.
0: Yeah, it's not there. And so, I I asked Paul if we could restructure who was taking the kids to school and that. And so now I have like my eight to twelve block in the morning for my deep work. But do you know what happens when you block off over half your day for deep work? <laughs> you you feel like you feel like you're dying because there's a million other things that need to be done in that other two, two or three hours, you know, right. of the day. <clears throat> and lunch gets cramped into that other time. And I will say, like, I've been making a lot more progress on some of this. This deeper work and more meaningful work that means a lot to me now and it will eventually mean a lot to a lot of people. But taking that time and saying, okay, you know, I'm trusting that this is going to work out, that I'm going to get what I need. I've, you know, the right contractors have come to me at the right time so that I can give them some of my work. The, you know, the delegate piece has been a really big piece of it. And my husband and I are kind of like, okay, is there anything we could delegate? Is there anything that we could split differently, like really kind of thinking outside of the box and just saying, you know, like I turned down so many opportunities for interviews and podcasts and sponsorships and all sorts of things because I'm like, you know what? It's not going to fit into my other two and a half, three hours. Now I don't say no to everything because obviously like talking with you, content is like so amazing, but it's definitely something where you have to really step back and say what is really 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 important to me right now and can i trust that the rest of it will work out or can i let it go like i'm i'm now instagram famous for saying i don't clean my house very often
1: <laughs> cuz i don't I you. <laughs> be real but no i think the greatest tips there are trust that it will work out, let go and prioritize and know that there's going to be seasons for different types of priorities, you know? Mm -hmm. And right now the season is like, you have to really focus on this deep work because you're so motivated and so inspired to do it. Mm -hmm. And then once maybe that's a little bit on autopilot for a little while, you can focus on some of those other to do's. And I guess the bottom line is we just can't do it all. And the idea is absurd and we shouldn't even try. Like no one else has that kind of pressure on themselves except moms. I don't know, know. Yeah. And go to bed early. Oh my gosh. That is like... I mean, so I, I'm not going to say I'm like good at this. Yeah. Going to bed early, but I'm but definitely working your on it. awareness. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. So many amazing pearls of wisdom there, Jennifer. Thank you so much. I always like to ask my guests before I let them go the one question, which is what is what do you think is your greatest superpower? I feel like I wrote you this. <laughs> Did you? I don't know. No, I never asked you. Ask it. to, like I literally oh, put didn't didn't the spot on the Oh, focus. you put me on the spot. Okay, good. Because
0: I was <laughs> like, oh crap, did I already tell you this? No, my superpower. Yeah, so my superpower is focus. My superpower is focus. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's it, where the magic happens. Yeah. When you're able to actually tune out all the other things and just say, hey, you know, it's going to work out and I'm going to focus on this thing that is the most important to me, whether that's nursing my baby or whether that's, you know, being with my kids or, whether that's launching an Instagram or whatever, you know, whatever that is, the focus is my superpower. And
1: they say in today's world, that is the ultimate superpower because we're just pulled in so many directions. Mm -hmm. Every moment in the day, we could be on social all day and feel like so productive, but the deep work doesn't happen there. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for your programs, for your Instagram. Can't wait for what's coming. And thanks for chatting. It's been really amazing. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.